Welcome to another episode of The Expert Wife. My name is Tina and I'm the host of this show. And today I have a very special guest, um, but I think she should introduce herself. Hello, <laughs> who are you? Why are you here? Why do I know you? <laughs> Hello. And why are you special? <laughs> well, my name is Bethany and I met Tina in Budapest. As to why I'm special, hmm. Because Maybe you well. are her. <laughs> Bethany is the one who saved me in Budapest when I went depressed to this little farewell party. Hello, Bethany. <laughs> Hello. And what a day that was. Oh, my gosh. We went to a coffee for someone who we were saying goodbye to. Mm -hmm. And we left with an amazing friendship. It was so wonderful. I think... You couldn't part us for the next two months straight. We were at each other's side every minute of every day. <laughs> it was great. We were. I don't know. It was this. There was this straight connection, wasn't it? And I have to admit, Truly. whenever I think about this, I always think about whenever I'm sitting in a new place and I'm thinking, oh, I, I can't make myself go. I'm like, hold on. Last time I met Bethany, maybe there will be another another Bethany. No, there can't be another <laughs> Bethany. But. Well, there might not be another me, but you should go. Definitely. You should join the group. That's the way that you can keep your sanity when you move. That's something I've learned as many times as I've moved. Yes, because, I mean, I think this is the most important thing to mention in the first place. You moved 14 times within 20 years. Yes. With a husband, two children, and a dog. Yes. So and it's tell, tell us more about this. Yes. So our first chance to live abroad happened fairly early in our marriage. Um, we actually, well, actually, I should back up. When we first met, Kevin was working for a company that made chocolates, and he had a chance to work Ooh. in Canada. I know. <laughs> Chocolate and in Canada. So I was in Pennsylvania and he was flying back and forth to Canada. And when we got married a year or so later, we had the opportunity to go together to Canada. So that was our very first time of going and living abroad. And that was really interesting. However, it didn't last very long because 9-11 happened and the company decided not to make the move into Canada that he was going to oversee. Um, and he ended up in the pharmaceutical industry. And so he has worked for, I think, five different pharmaceutical companies now, something like that. And we have moved lots of places with the companies. Um, the very next opportunity that we got to go abroad with his job was to go to England when our first child, our daughter, was one and a half and that Where was about in england did you move to um a little town kind of near manchester okay and um let's see and so then we moved there for about three years and we left when i was pregnant with my son we moved back to america the next time we moved abroad stop me if i'm doing too many things at once No, no, Then, this is fine. Okay. The next time we moved abroad, my son was five. 
and he entered into kindergarten. We went back to Canada, this time to near Toronto, and we lived there for about three years. And then while we were in Canada, um, the company said to my husband, hey, you're so good at fixing things. We have a problem you need to help us fix in Hungary. And I thought, wow, Hungary, oh boy. And <laughs> then we went from outside Toronto to Budapest, where I met you. And that was the beginning of our story. We moved to Budapest when my son was in year three. And my daughter was in year five. And we found the Britannica school. And right at the beginning was when I met Anna and then that she was leaving. And I went to her coffee <laughs> thinking, gosh, I'm already saying goodbye to people. This is not really starting out on a great note, but I'm going. And then I met you. And I convinced you to come with me to the uh, Ladies North American Women's Association meeting. Mm -hmm. And that was that made it so much more fun to have somebody to come with me. It was. So when you were talking, so by the time your kids were, were five and uh, in year five and year three, um, you had moved how many times? Gosh, let's see. Uh, with You mean with children or just in general? No, with, with the children. Oh, no, this was only the second move then. So with the children, I had gone to England with my daughter And then back to So it was really her fourth time that she had been moved, or maybe fifth time, because we went from uh, Maryland to, to Pennsylvania in that middle. So my daughter had moved about five times by the time she was in year five. And you know, this is, I know, I don't know about you, but I heard so many times with my children this, oh, How can you do this to your children? You're always giving them a new, them a new home. They can never settle. But as I know both of your kids, and you know how much I love your daughter, and she just graduated um, from high school with a pretty good degree, didn't she? So she did. obviously, obviously, it went perfectly well. So what is the tip you would give? How how did you make it that they always settled in and yeah is there anything where you say yeah and this is this is what we did this is what we kept consistent or is it just pure luck which yeah well, maybe it's a little bit of both but one thing as especially as they got older we we really involved them in the, the choice process for mm -hmm. example um you know When they were small, we would say to them, well, which house do you like? Which room in the house do you like? And then as they got older, for example, when we went to Budapest, we took them along to interview the schools. We made them a large part of deciding which school to attend. And I think that that helped them feel more comfortable with the transition. Mm -hmm. And then um, even when we came back to America, Uh, each time we moved, we had them help us choose the right school. And then after we found the school, then we would look for things like hobbies. Like I'm a knitter, so I would look for a yarn shop with a craft group to join. My husband is a golfer. He would look for a golf course. 
But the first focus of every move since having the children has been to find the right school. And we let them be a big part of that choice. Mm -hmm. And I think that that has helped. And so when we talk about, I mean, we said we are talking about friendships a little, but so even when, when we are looking at, I know from, from your daughter that she has still maintained friends from all over the world, right? She still has friends from Budapest. She has a boyfriend who she met along the way. Yes. And how, how was it easy for you to support all this? And how I did think, you support it? I think it was important to me. Um, even when she was tiny, when we went to England, one and a half, it was very important to me. Still had a sense of family and connection. And so, you know, when she was tiny, we would have video phone calls via Skype. That was a long time ago um, with my parents so that when <laughs> they came to visit, she knew their faces, she knew who they were. And that mm -hmm. success has kept up by, you know, saying, okay, we're going to make plans to go and visit this person or we're going to plan a vacation with this person and I've highly encouraged her especially to stay in contact because I think it it makes that time that you spent in that location more meaningful. I have a very mm -hmm. dear friend from living in England. She has a good friend from living in Hungary. I have you from living in Hungary. She has a boyfriend from living in Kansas. And I think keeping the relationship going has helped make it feel as though it was very important that we lived in that place at that time. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. I mean, I mean, this is the nice thing about modern communication, isn't it? You don't leave the friends behind. You leave them physically, physically behind, but you can still be in touch. Yes. Which, which brings me now to you. So, 14 times moving means 14 times setting up a house, 14 times making friends, 14 times God knows what. <laughs> <laughs> setting up <laughs> a doctor, hair, hairdresser, schools. Yeah, so 14 times, yeah, finding a new role for yourself. So tell me what... How did you maintain yourself? I don't know if you can say maintain, but how did you keep yourself up? How did you keep your well, identity? I am an artist and my art making supplies have traveled with me wherever we have gone, um, except maybe the first time because I didn't quite know what I was doing. But luckily they have art stores in England and I found some. <laughs> <laughs> but... Each, each time I've been in a new location, one thing that I have learned to do is to look for a crafting group or a knitting group, a, a group of like-minded people for myself. Mm -hmm. And then when we went to Budapest, I then kind of branched out from that idea and found the expat ladies. And even though I had already been an expat before, this was my first experience of 
what an expat community and organization could do to really help me not be as homesick, not be as um, thrown by the culture shock of a new place, which was really important because Hungary, as you know, is very different than the United States, more different than maybe Canada or England. What is the, I mean, I mean, I think it's quite obvious, but could you explain what for you was the main difference? We've, yeah, you know, I, I hope it doesn't sound stupid, but yeah. No, it doesn't sound stupid at all. I think for me, the main difference was living somewhere where English was not the first language. Because mm -hmm. in Canada and England, English was, if not a first language, then a second language. Um, so there was navigating a country with another language. And navigating a country that was actually not so long out of communism was very interesting because their systems and their infrastructure had been developed during communism. And as an American, I really didn't have any experience with that. I, I had never lived through that in any way. And so it was fascinating to me to see how, for example, in Budapest, people, a lot of people didn't have cars, they just got around without one, and how all of their habits fell into place in a different way than in America. And being a part of the uh, expat community showed me that there were reasons behind the differences that I saw. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, to me, absolutely. But can you give some examples of what? Um, yeah, for. Let's see. The biggest things were you had to go to the post office to pay your bills, you couldn't write a check. That in Hungary, they don't have a personal checking account, or they do, but you can't write a paper check to pay your bill. You have to go with a slip to the post office and give them money. And it, to me, that was something I had never encountered. A, a fully thriving economy where checks are not used. I had never dreamt that that existed. Okay, now Is I that... need to tell you something. We have never talked about this. But what is a check? <laughs> <laughs> I've what never is a lived... check? I, we so we used to have this like like thirty years ago in Germany where you had this paper and you filled in the the, the the and then you gave it in. But no, is this a check? Yes, yes. So it okay. is a, a paper that you fill in with the name of the person who you want to give the money to, and it has your banking information on it. So they have in Europe they have SWIFT codes. Yes, 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 yes. And so you would transfer it. If you didn't want to hand someone cash, you would transfer them money with a SWIFT code at the bank. Mm -hmm. And a check, an American check or British check or Canadian check has basically your SWIFT code information on the paper and you give them that and then they take that to their bank. So God, I think, oh, you know what? Now this is embarrassing. I think we used to have this in Germany as well. <laughs> yes, yes, I remember. Now everyone, every German who's listening, like, we have this. Like, oh, yeah, sure. Sorry, <laughs> you don't have this in Asia because in Asia, where we live at the moment, you also go, 
you either do bank transfer or you have to go with your water bill to the next supermarket and pay your water bill there. Interesting. Very interesting. But you see, so this is quite common for me, but okay. <laughs> so this was something that I had never really navigated before. And um, it was fascinating to learn this, you know. Um, trying to think what other major differences. Uh, one thing I found interesting was that Hungarians have a main meal of the day at lunchtime. Mm -hmm. And that was something that was very strange to me because a lot of times in America, the main meal of the day is in the evening. And this is... You see, it's the same in Germany. We always had our main meal for lunchtime, which doesn't make much sense when you consider that the family usually eats together in the evening, right? But yeah, no. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. so it was interesting because my husband would go to work and he would take a sandwich or a yogurt or something very small for lunch. And he would sit around with all of his colleagues and they would say, did you make your wife mad? She didn't bring you, she didn't pack you lunch. She didn't send you with a hot lunch. Like, what did you do, man? You must be in big trouble. And he said, this is my lunch. And they said, oh, I'm so sorry. That seems bad. <laughs> Then he, he had to explain to them that the main meal, the hot meal of the day would be waiting for him when he got home. <laughs> Whereas they might have, you know, a tomato or cucumber and bread and something light. Or maybe a sandwich in the evening, which is what he yeah. would take to work for lunch. <laughs> oh, this is funny. Yeah, but you see that, that this is probably then even the differences between America and, um, and, and Germany. And I mean, you know, I have been to the US only once when I visited you. So I have no, not much idea about American culture. Um, this is funny. But yeah, so, okay. So of course, then Budapest was... Yeah, and because I feel there is a big difference if you move to a country where you can speak English yes. or your mother tongue or if you move to a country where, yeah, there's no way. But the funny thing is you learned pretty well Hungarian. I remember you you had lessons and you spoke a quite decent Hungarian at the end, didn't you? Our goal was to see how far we had a little game. We would go out to dinner, my husband and I, and our goal was to see how far into the dinner we could get before the waiter discovered that we really didn't speak Hungarian. <laughs> <laughs> That's a smart idea to learn the language. <laughs> It was so lovely because sometimes we could get almost all the way to dessert and they really wouldn't be oh, sure wow. that we didn't speak it. I know. And other times we would sit down and say hello and they would bring us the menu and tell us something like well we're out of steak for this evening but we wouldn't understand it and the game would be up right then and there oh <laughs> darn and so our our goal of course was to try to get through a dinner and it's you know such a small narrow vocabulary list that we got pretty good at it because There's not lots and lots of dishes that you order in a Hungarian restaurant. But that was our goal. And we mastered it. The grammar we were horrible at. But our goal was to, to interact with waiters and waitresses. And they would not know that we didn't really speak Hungarian. <laughs> <laughs> 
but it was important to us that we made an effort because we were guests in their country. You know, we wanted to try their food. We wanted to learn their culture. We wanted to hear everything about what makes their country the way it is. Mm. And we wanted to try and speak their language. And yeah, I think this is so important. I mean, yeah. And, and it, even it if makes... it was as crazy as Hungarian. <laughs> and I feel like it makes the experience in a country you're in so completely different. Um, it does because people react differently to someone who has made an effort. Mm -hmm. You know, they feel less like you're a foreigner and more like you might be their next friend. Yeah. Which no, is this is absolutely true. An important thing when you're mm -hmm. moving around all the time and being mm -hmm. an expat in so many places. Yeah, I, but, I mean, I have, I have to admit, after China, I, I haven't mastered any other language. But yeah, it is on my list. Vietnamese will be on my list. Well, you but, haven't chosen an easy language. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, but you know, after everyone told me how difficult Chinese is, and I mastered Chinese to the extent that I was able to communicate, I felt like ah, I can master any other language. But I feel like Chinese of all the languages I've tried to learn so far is was the easiest, including French. <laughs> interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah. And you I did pretty know. well in Hungarian as well. I think you did... A lot I think that, better than you give yourself were, credit for. I think there were phases where I was able to speak a little bit more than hello and goodbye. But yeah, I never came to that level where I really... And I always looked at you in a big, big awe when I saw you speaking and heard you speaking. That was yeah, pretty impressive. Well, thank yeah, you. So when you were talking... So you, you had all this... So yeah expats groups so you met all these ladies which made it easier for you in in hungary and so when you moved to england to canada to america did you feel this knitting groups were as welcoming as an expat group or is it still a difference when you are in a group with less expats so i think Being in a group with people that share some sort of passion or some sort of common interest helps with a move in general. Mm -hmm. Like every time I've moved, even here in the U.S., I've looked for a crafting community because it has helped me to make friends. But the difference with the expat community is, I think you said it in another one of your episodes, that the expats become your family Mm -hmm. because Kim's you're all him. you're all in the same situation together and you all realize that you don't have your normal community your normal backup even mm -hmm. something as silly as when you register for school they ask you for an emergency contact name oh yeah well you don't have that because you've just moved across the world from your emergency contact people yeah so Suddenly, you need to find your next best friend, and, <laughs> and you the need best <laughs> you do, and the best place to find that I think is the expat community because they're going through the same thing as you, and they understand how important it is to be someone's emergency contact and really be there for them, mm -hmm. just like family. 
This is absolutely absolutely. I was just, you know, I was just thinking when we moved to Vietnam, we basically chose our emergency contact, a colleague of Brendan. We said, Hey, she moved with us at that point. And <laughs> I went to her and I said, Hey, I'm sorry, but can you please, if something happened to us, can you please be the caretaker of our children? It sounds so awkward, but <laughs> But here it is. We're all but... alone on the other side of the world. <laughs> nice to meet yeah, you. This is basically <laughs> <laughs> please be my friend and look after my children yeah no it's it's a bit <laughs> it is what it is but so and um okay I know we you and I we managed to be so to stay friends I realize it's actually now seven years um, gosh that's amazing it is so uh, and you you were talking about your friend in 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 England which you even have met then. I mean, Viola is now 18, so it's 16 years. So how did you, how do you manage to maintain your friends you, you, you made along the way? I think sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. I think it's a matter of connections, but it's about priorities. You know, I have prioritized maintaining a connection with several people that I've met along the way. And I think, you know, just something as simple as a once a week phone call or trying to plan a chance to meet up again or sending a, a, a little gift or a card in the mail. You know, like I send a lot of things in the mail to other countries because mm -hmm. it's important to me to stay in contact. Yeah, so... I think that that's, that's part of it is making, making the effort. Yeah, I have to say this, um, our last move, which was during Corona and we weren't able to meet people. I had you, I talked to once a week, you were on the one side of the, of the world. I had one friend in Germany. I talked to once a week and it, this was kind of this. So you had this, I never felt that I didn't have friends, even though I was pretty alone, <laughs> which is it's funny, isn't it? Yeah, I felt the same way because our last move um, was during Corona as well. And our family ended up being split up for several months. Um, like I said earlier, each time we moved, we let our children have some degree of choice. Mm -hmm. And the move from Kansas to Colorado, where we are now, We asked our children if they wanted to finish the school year because my husband's start date was in February or if they wanted to transfer sooner. My son chose to transfer at March break. And We're talking about March 2020. The March 2020. The March break. The I know. <laughs> oh, and God. so I had unenrolled him in Kansas and had enrolled him in Colorado and drove with all of his things to spend March break together in Colorado. And then my daughter and I were going to return and he was going to stay. And he chose that because he wanted to make friends before summer. He wanted to join the scouting troop here and he wanted to be already signed up for summer camp with those new scouting friends before the end of the school year. And I thought, what an amazing and really mature choice to make. Good for mm -hmm. him. Okay, I'll support this. Mm -hmm. 
But my daughter chose not to do that. She wanted to stay as long as possible in Kansas, and she wanted to finish the school year. So we ended up split two and two, and the world closed. And my poor son was in an apartment trying to navigate online schooling. My husband was going into work all the time because he makes cancer drugs and couldn't not go into work. He was considered an essential employee. And I was still in Kansas. So that was a challenging move. How long have uh, you been, been separated for then? So let's see. It was about three months because we went for March break. And then in the beginning of May is when my daughter and I finally had the rest of the house packed up and we joined them, the guys. So it was about three months. And then we got here and it was probably our most challenging move out of all the moves that we've done. Because so move normal, number four was the hardest move, and why? Move number 14 was the hardest because all of our normal coping mechanisms weren't available to us. We were just in a new house, in a new location, but we didn't have any way to go out and meet people. We didn't have a way to go out and learn about the place we were living and begin to make new memories there and make it ours. We were just all stuck mm -hmm. together in this house. So it was a challenge, for sure. How long did the corona restrictions last in the US? It depends on where you were, really. Um, I think by the middle or end of summer, things were slightly better, you could go out if you wore a mask and you could get your day-to-day -day things accomplished. However, the children, when they went back to school, they, it, let's see, in August, they went back to school completely online and then it changed to hybrid schooling where they would go to school two days a week and stay home three. Mm -hmm. And then for November break, fall break, Everybody went and spent time with their family and coronavirus had a resurgence. So <laughs> then between fall break and winter break, we were back all in our houses, all online. And then I feel like by the time winter break was finished, I think maybe that was around the time that we were able to start getting a vaccine to some people. Mm -hmm. Does that sound right timing wise? And then... So finally, so almost a full year into our adventure here in Colorado, um, things started to become more like normal daily life. And I remember from, from talking to you, this was the move where also you took the longest, you, you kind of only recently, maybe not that recent, but you, that you feel like you're settled in, isn't it? It, it took long. Was this also due to Corona or to the age of the children or? Maybe a little bit of everything. Um, I didn't get to meet really any other parents through school because my children are older now. 
there's less parent involvement, less is required of you. You know, they kind mm-hmm. of go back and forth on their own. And then um, I think they became entrenched in their lives at school. My husband went to work. I always joke, you know, they get to go and interact with people and I stay home with the dog. And so <laughs> uh, while the dog and I were closer than ever, it took me longer. <laughs> it took me much longer this time to go and find my people. I've, I'm so happy that I have really begun in the past six months, maybe, maybe 10 months to find my people here in Colorado. But it really did feel like it took a lot longer. Usually in the first 10 months, I, I feel like a place is home. We, we joked online that it's when the last box is unpacked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes. But um, this time, of course, because we were stuck here, our boxes were unpacked very quickly. It was wonderful. But it took much longer to, to feel physically at home here. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, um, yeah. Um, but it, it's interesting because now you 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 have started in your professional life like you have you're becoming more and more well known with your artwork and um, you have started to to um, to exhibit your art and you're going to art market. Do you want to talk about this a little? Sure. Um, yeah. Now that my kids are older, I feel like I do have a little bit more time to explore myself as an artist and my career. And I've been able to find, maybe not for the, for the first time, maybe not just a knitting group to spend my time with, but also an artist group here in Fort Collins. Because this is what we didn't say. You are a trained artist. So you went to art school and you have a degree in, now you need to help me. <laughs> I have a degree in fiber arts. I have a bachelor's is fiber arts which I like to joke is the grandma arts everything that your grandma knew how to do so we <laughs> use a sewing machine make a basket not underwater basket weaving but baskets <laughs> um, and I have I've done various things throughout our different moves I've worked at yarn shops I've worked in retail stores but I've never really had a chance to market my art mm-hmm. I, because, probably because the children were young and were demanding more of my time. And so now that they're older, it's been really exciting to be able to establish myself as an artist. And I mean, I think it's not to underestimate. I mean, with 14 moves, you were basically packing up on a yearly a bi-yearly I, I base, think, wasn't it? I was going to say, I think our average was somewhere between a year and a half and two years per location. Mm-hmm. Some of them were shorter, like we stayed for six months in Florida, um, just yeah, long enough that to, was after to be in a hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> and some were a little longer, but in general, yeah, every year and a half or two years, we packed up and moved again. So you're right. It's Part of it was just timing i didn't have time and now lucky 
lucky for me. And maybe also because of coronavirus, I have had the time, mm-hmm. you know, because I was forced to not go out. I was forced to be here at home. Yeah, of course. But this is pretty cool. Um, I have one question about what you said earlier. Um, Grayson chose to move in April. And funny enough, what we both didn't know were that we both moved in April to Budapest. Um, is this right? I think we, we, we actually arrived yeah. in Budapest within a few days difference, but we didn't meet until September. So yes. um, this is just, I think we, we never talked about this because I had a feeling with all our moves, there was a time, a certain age of the children where I felt this moving in April wasn't a bad thing because they were able to start in a quite relaxed time. What, what is your opinion on this? Because I haven't made up now, they are far, our kids are now far too old to do any moving in April, but I felt it, it wasn't when they were younger. So up to grade five, I'd say it wasn't the worst year to move the time to move. Or what? What is your opinion on this? I agree. This is um, up until about year five, when there's not as much worry about the academic academics. You know what they're mm-hmm. needing to catch up on and not needing to catch up on in their subjects in school. There's more this focus on social interactions and making friends and i think that this time of year not everyone is new so they get a little bit of attention because they're a new child coming into the classroom and there's still enough of the school year left to make a few new friends and keep those friendships when school is out for the summer and Mm -hmm. so there's there is a big benefit to Either, you know, at, at the when you return from winter break or around March break, that time of year, a transfer, even though as adults we think, oh, how horrible to transfer your child in the middle of a school year, it actually, for their social interaction, is helpful. Yeah, I, I had this feeling there was more of a, yeah, exactly what you said. And you have time, the kids had time to get used to the new environment. And then the summer break wasn't as long because they had friends already. Yes. And when they came, when the, the new school year started, I felt they had more time to focus on the academics. I mean, of yes. course, I would not suggest this any later than year five because yeah, my kids moved twice in the middle of the school year. No, once, no, twice. A little later and then I felt it was a bit more difficult but yeah no this is um I was yeah I just wondered what you thought about this um okay is there anything I I feel like we have too much or not too much we have so much more we can talk about Um, oh I feel like we could chat for ages maybe we need to dream up another topic and have another conversation at a different point in your podcast Yes, please. Because, yeah, we, of course, we talk, we actually manage to talk on a, on a weekly base. And 
in between yes. we throw each other some some um messages but maybe this is something i i would ask, like to ask you because i always laugh when i hear people saying oh no one is using facebook anymore no one is using so social media anymore and then i realize that all my expat friends are desperately clinging on facebook because yes. this is kind <laughs> of the way isn't it <laughs> it's funny that you say that because uh, of course i've gone through moments where I would love to get rid of social media and love to get mm -hmm. rid of Facebook. But it is one of my ways to keep in touch with people around the world, because you can't always call someone who lives 13 hours ahead of you, um, or even really send them a message just in case it might ping and wake them up. But you can check out what they're doing on Facebook, you can send them a message and a a photo of what you're doing on Facebook. And that's, it's been very helpful to see people and what they're up to. And if it's just to give everyone a quick heads up, by the way, I'm moving. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm in a new destination and because quite often I feel like it's, you forget one or two people you really need to let know, but then you have this Facebook, like it's on Facebook. I've told everyone. <laughs> that's right. They'll find it eventually. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and speaking of moving, one thing I remembered that I wanted to talk about was yeah. the best tip that I have learned in my 14 moves. The best tip. Are you ready for it? Yes, please. <laughs> When you pack up do your you master... The, do you hear the, the, the trumpets? <laughs> <laughs> when, you, when you pack up your master bedroom... There's always some clothing that you would like to pack for yourself, like your underwear drawer and stuff like that. When you pack that up, you'll have space in your dresser. And they always pack dresser drawers full, which I didn't know. They put everything in there and then they wrap the drawer separate from the dresser. I did not know that, but now I do. And so what I do, I mm -hmm. on the last morning when I wake up, I take my sheets off of the bed, I fold them up, and I put them into the drawer that I took my socks and underwear out of, things that I don't want other people packing. When the movers deliver your items to your new home, it is so much chaos. You don't know where anything is. And they're so wonderful because they'll carry that heavy dresser upstairs and put the drawers back in, in the room that's labeled master bedroom. And they'll put your mattress on the floor or maybe you, you have an amazing moving company and they'll even put your bed together. But when you turn around and the dust has settled, you know in the top drawer of your dresser are the sheets for your bed so you can go to bed. This is amazing oh. because I just, thank you, because I just see myself in this, uh, everything arrives and you have this, Oh shit, where are the beddings? And This there are is... 13 boxes labeled master bedroom. And you don't know which one has your sheets. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That is my best moving tip ever. Thank you. I will You're put welcome. this I will put this on my next moving list and I will fight for this drawer with the first. That's cool. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is maybe something. This is a, a funny story. I don't know. Usually, I learned for people who move 
often um, that there is the box number one. And especially when you move internationally, and usually the box number one is the one where all the essentials are in, like all the all the screws, all the main parts to to hold the whole house together. And yes. we had one move where that was the move from China to Budapest. And in China, they didn't do it. They didn't have a box number one. And the people in Budapest nearly freaked out because they couldn't find it. And so the kids had bunk beds and we tried to set up the bunk beds or they tried to set up because, yeah, I think we had an amazing moving company because they wanted to set it up, but I couldn't yes. find the box number one. I and know. so we wrote a complaint to the moving company said, hey, all the, draw all, the, all the screws are gone, blah, 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 blah. And they were apologetic. Then we ordered all the screws from various companies. And it took me a week to find box number one, which was not a box they used a little storage box in the bathroom where i had some towels in it and for oh, some no. reason they put it that under was the where towels. they put all the screws <laughs> oh no what a nightmare so yes, husband and i right. were had fun and set up the the beds together <laughs> <laughs> you're right though that that essentials box the parts box i think is what it got called on my moves The parts box is a big deal. Make sure you get one. Yes. In the last move, it was funny because I was freaking out. I was like, where's, where's box number one? Where's box? And then the guy said like, oh, we don't have a box number one. And because it was the same company, because it was within Vietnam, it was the same company packing and unpacking. So they had, they had their own, own system. But I was like, I need the box number one. <laughs> <laughs> But maybe so this is funny. just a European thing. But yeah, I felt it was funny. That's okay, funny. Bethany. Um, I thank you so much for taking your time. And now everyone knows who she is and her. <laughs> thank you for the conversation. It was wonderful. And maybe I'll get a chance to do it again sometime. Yes, please. Because, I mean, we are going to meet up in, is it July. in two weeks? We haven't seen each weeks. other. We haven't seen each other in five years. Is I it? was going to say, is it four years or five years when I took Viola to visit her Hungarian friend and we met up again? I think it's Where did five we meet? years. In Budapest. Wasn't it when I came to Kansas? Oh, you're right. You're right. Sorry. Then the next, the next time I saw you was when you came to Kansas with the children. That was wonderful. You see. It is a long time ago because it was long before COVID. So, yes, and who knows, maybe we will record an episode when we are sitting together. Um, I would love that. Um, in two weeks' time. Okay, everybody. So now I will close the show. And um, I just say um, thank you for listening. My name is Tina. I'm the host of the show. Take good care. Bye. Thank you.